I have to begin this morning by offering yet more gratitude to this spectacular choir. Thank you, choir. <laughs> they sound great. <laughs> um, new voices, returning voices, it's just an inspiration. For me as a musician, it's something that, uh, it, it was actually the whole reason I went to church for many years, so um, <laughs> it's probably the reason I am here right now. Um, it's fascinating as well when I come into this building on Sunday mornings, seeing people, experiencing where people are at, um, and understanding what people are bringing into the space. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot to hold. It's a lot to be open to, to carry. It is no burden to me whatsoever. It is what I want to do. But it's always very interesting when, when Carol, who is my font of truth, <laughs> is able to say to me, you look tired. And I appreciate that. That is my reality check. Um, I am tired. I didn't sleep very well last night. Um, for many different reasons, but I am busy. I am very, very busy. The monkey mind is constantly running right now. And um, I wanted to share with you why I'm so busy. Um, it is all actually centered in one way, shape, or form around this community. Uh, I'm deeply invested, particularly th starting this year, in building a public presence for the church that aspires to the world that we dream of. So I'm trying to be as present as I can in our community in ways that I, I hope will bring more people in always, but that just lets us show up. For instance, my colleague, one of the Cambridge Black Pastors, Reverend Lorraine Thornhill, is putting together a mental health symposium that I will have more information on. Certainly, I will be sharing that information with our own mental health uh, group that is working. Um, and so we were in, we've been in conversation, and she's invited me to speak on that panel um, later this month. Uh, First Church, First Church Congregational, just around the corner. They're working on this extended multi-year project around exploring their history around race and, and inequality. And I have some information resources out there for you on both of these. Um, uh, 400 Years of Inequality, it's an exhibit that they will have up through the month of October. I want to encourage you all to truck on down the street, check out what's going on in, in, in your neighbor's yard fascinating information. They will also be having a talk from Elizabeth Solomon, who is a colleague of mine and also a, a, an inscribed member of the Ponkapog tribe um, here in Massachusetts. Um, I'm also going to be speaking uh, on behalf of the um, Office of Sexual Assault Prevention and Recovery, OSAPR. Um, I'll be starting a series on masculinity in leadership and gender-based violence. Um, I really, really am deeply passionate about that work. That is stuff I was involved in in California. But it allows me to show up among students at Harvard. When I look at the fact that the most significant part of the population of our little ecosystem here is students, it's important for me to show up among them, to connect with them, to invite them here. 
And that all adds up to me not only listening to you and listening to what's important to folks in this community, but then taking it out into the world. But just as I ask you to do, I have to lead by example. I have to do that. I get to be an ambassador. And that, to me, is such, <laughs> such blessed work, um, truly. To be able to share something, values, perspectives that you hold deeply in your heart, that you're proud of, that you want to invite people to be part of, to be able to share that out in the world, to show up as that, to me is the most sacred thing that anyone can do. Um, and it's fascinating for me. For a long, long time, one of my secret held ambitions was to be an actual ambassador. Um, as, and I, I don't know if it's completely gone, I'll be honest with you. There's a part of me that's like, hmm, Ambassador Adam Lawrence Dyer. Yeah. Part of it came from being a, a little kid in New York City, and among the many iconic buildings was the United Nations. It was one of the first places that I got to learn a little bit about as, as being not just a building, but being a place where important things happened. Um, and, of course, I'm still, as you well know, fascinated with, with buildings. But it is, to me, such a spectacular thing that something like the United Nations would exist in this country. So part of why I wanted to uh, invoke the United Nations, ask ourselves, does the United Nations matter? Ask all those questions today is because on this International Day of Peace, or rather the day after, officially, the Day of Peace, I think it's important for us to understand what it means to say peace. What does it mean when the United Nations, an organization like the United Nations, says peace? And as you heard in our, our, our chalice lighting, of course, there is the Declaration of Human Rights, again, which I have a link to outside. But there's this whole idea of a culture of peace. A culture of peace. This is something that, interestingly enough, Marianne Williamson has plugged into. Uh, she knows a lot about it and can, can talk a lot about it. But there's, there's some nuts and bolts that you may want to understand as well. Um, there's a specific definition that they use for this culture of peace within the United Nations. It reads, it is a set of values, attitudes, modes of behavior, and ways of life that reject violence and prevent conflicts by tackling their root causes to solve problems through dialogue and negotiation among individuals, groups, and nations. I'm going to read those last few words again. Through dialogue and negotiation, among individuals, groups, and nations. The, I think it's eight action areas that they outline are foster a culture of peace through education, promote sustainable economic and social development, promote uh, respect for all human rights, ensure equality between women and men, foster democratic participation, advance understanding, tolerance, and solidarity, support participatory communication and the free flow of information and knowledge, and promote international peace and security. We aren't there. We aren't there. The United Nations 
will always be an aspirational organization as long as we are human beings. And it may sound sad, but it is the human condition sometimes to be in conflict. And I think it is fitting that the UN would be in the United States, not because we deserve it or our, our grand egos should have it anywhere near us, but because I think the United States itself is a prime global example of aspirational culture. Think about it. Immigration. Look at where we're at. Racism. Hmm, how's that going? Wealth. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a thing. Land. Native versus still colonial settlers. We hold in this nation and in this country and in our structures toxic histories that's resulted in a very sick present. We have not achieved a perfect union. But I want to remind you that the words of the Founding Fathers were not just a perfect union, it was about a more perfect union. It wasn't stagnant, it was aspirational. They understood then, and we have to understand now, that we're working toward things. We are moving toward something important. We're moving toward change. We can't lose our energy, we can't lose our passion, we can't lose our hope for what we believe can be someday. Now, there are many forces at work against these different aspirations. Sadly, among those forces, one of the most powerful are faith communities, traditional faith communities, that often, rather than focusing on the aspirational, focus on the absolute. But I believe faith communities, and that includes us, are being asked to be something different than all of us have been in the past. We're being asked to build community that is no longer based on sameness, but on how we can better and more authentically embrace our differences, and how those differences can enrich all of our existence. So that word, aspiration, it's an interesting word. I, I am not a linguist. Many of you out there could probably explain all the roots of the word aspire to me and to everyone else better than I can. But there are some key takeaways that I got from Merriam-Webster that among the definitions that uh, fall under aspire is the steadfast longing for a higher goal. I think we all get that. And I think you can understand how the United Nations represents a global sense of a steadfast longing for a higher goal. But the word aspire also means 
and this is my favorite one, the action of breathing into, aspire, breathing, breath. It's the breath that says, I want to live. It's the breath that says, I want to hold on to another day. It's the breath that says, I'm longing for a higher goal, and that goal begins with believing that there will be another tomorrow for me and for those I love. Breathe into the aspiration of life. This is what I believe faith is asking, or what we're being asked to bring in faith communities today, and it's a tall order. And if you came here today, whatever personal faith you hold, the act of gathering in this place as one body with many ideas and expressions of lived experience, being faith or no faith, that is the fertile ground into which we can grow the culture of peace. The way we gather is literally the expression of aspiration. On Friday, many of you are, I'm sure, aware and maybe were present for the climate strike. I think one of the most remarkable things I experienced was walking from this building over to Harvard Yard and seeing not just young adults and students of the university, but 10-year-olds with signs, with fully developed chants, and passion. They were angry, they were scared, they were confused, but they were determined, they were also loving and joyful. These children, I think, embody and demonstrate the culture of peace that adults seem only capable sometimes of talking about these days. And so leaving here, I'm wondering if we can maybe not just be inspired by youth, young adults, teens, adolescents, children. I wonder if we can let what we witness in them and what still exists in all of us, I'm wondering if we can let that be our aspiration, that we can breathe into peace, that we can breathe into this aspiration of a better world, Yes, envisioned by the United Nations. Yes, envisioned by founding fathers. Yes, envisioned by all of us in this room. But beginning within our hearts, within the systems of our bodies, and with how we are with each other every day. Let's aspire to something better. Blessed be.